Stockings be bump city where the only thing that's pretty is the thought of getting out. There's a tower block overhead, all you got your benefits and you're barely scraping by. In this All right, that was Jake Bug with Trouble Town here on 91.7 The Edge, WSUW Whitewater. Well, folks, it's time for Comics Corner. I'm your host, Jason Captain Comics, here, and I'm going to take you on a bit of an intriguing journey here today. You know, the comic miniseries is something that fans can both get behind as well as sometimes dread. It really does depend on what the character is. Some characters get miniseries because, well, they ordinarily wouldn't get a big main series because they don't have mainstream appeal. Or at the least, that's what the editors think. Sometimes it's just a matter of somebody wanting to try and reinvent a character and try something different. As is the case with today's miniseries of comics. Released in 2004... Gail Simone, who is best known for her runs on the Birds of Prey series for DC Comics, as well as a couple of other other series that she's worked on, irked on, including In Secret Six, Red Sonia, and Wonder Woman, as Wonder Woman to name a few. But yeah, 
she's got a pretty good rapport as a good female comics writer in, <clears throat> excuse me, in mainstream comics. And in 2004, she decided to bring back one of one of DC Comics' lesser talked about super villains or concepts. It let me take you back to the 1970s, if I could, for a second. The idea where, well, she where, or I should say, the idea where, well, ideas kind of flourished. It was one where many characters were created, some were bought and then given their own titles, etc., etc. Now, that's not to say that every title was a winner, but some characters were good enough to be brought back to life eventually. Such is the case with this character. Although her name is Thorn in the comics... She, uh, she is one of those rare characters in comics, and by that I mean I'm not, I mean I guess if you wanted to say she's not a Batman villain, that suffers from, well, well, multiple personality disorder. Her real name is Rosalind Forrest. So yes, you can get the dynamic of what we're talking about. One, one personality is named Rose, and the other is named Thorn. And Thorn, of course, is the more violent of the two personas. Insert your Guns N' Roses reference here about how every rose has its thorn. But yeah, in all seriousness, this was an idea that was created back in the 70s as a Superman villain. Particularly in the series Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane. Because yes, back in the 70s, Lois Lane had her own comic series. Basically, the gist of it was was that she was the daughter of a pol- of a Metropolis police officer who was killed who at who was killed who his father was killed by a crime gang called the One Hundred. Basically, sickly, she then broke down and became and and Thorn putting Rose to sleep. Eep, in terms of personality, of course, not literally, because they're the same person, took vengeance upon the 100, and basically generally decided to be thorn in their sides, if you will. Oh, she basically, basically worked a lot with Superman and Booster Gold, and she had a couple of other interesting runs, and such as being under the control of Lord Satanus, a.k.a., well, probably the devil, Vol. She's also ironically a skilled fighter because of because of martial arts training courtesy of her father. Thorne was actually retired pretty much after after the 70s but was brought back in the 1990s in a Green Arrow storyline. Basically it was basically Thorne was just used as a plot device in order to in order to bring Green Arrow out, and pretty much, yeah, that's not, you know, much else to say about that. She also interacted with Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, Zen Ivy, which actually saw Thorn actually def- Thorn getting defeated by Harley and Poison Ivy, and basically trying to a- trying to well weaken her and maybe kill her, but then eventually. Julie left her in the care of Bizarro. Yeah, and then re- another supervillain, who was then rescued by Supergirl, and then pretty much... And then pretty much, pretty much Thorn and Supergirl team up to take on Poison Ivy. 
And that was the last that was heard of her until 2004, when the aforementioned Gail Simone decided to resurrect her character. Now, to be fair, Gail Simone did do a bit of rewriting, but none of the rewrite actually changed too much of her personality. Instead, playing a little bit more to the psychosis angle, as opposed to her having a multiple personality that just somehow in the deep you know, because it's the DC universe, took over and took control of her body, it instead turned out to be a multiple personality. And what's more, this all came as a result of the psychological torture and experiments of a psychologist trying to help people, at least that's what he'd claim, and to be fair, he is, he does try to help, but he eventually just ends up, well, screwing up because you know sometimes psychology with dangerous psychopaths doesn't exactly work after this mini six issue miniseries rose and thorn pretty much disappeared i'll explain why until birds of prey birds of prey issue 98 where she pretty much was employed by by black canary a canary in her flower shop and then she also had a more recent with her most recent appearance coming in Birds of Prey number 109, where she actually decided, where she actually seemingly was on the side of good for once. To be fair, this is an interesting character, and I will explain why so when I talk about the character, because admittedly the backstory for the character is in the miniseries. I will, however, say that a lot of times... Picking up a miniseries like this is an intriguing gambit. It's not like Rose and Thorn are a well-known combo in the DC universe. This isn't Poison Ivy getting her own miniseries, or a villain from a TV series that DC's recently running getting their own miniseries either. This is a character that, for the all intents and purposes, although existing for the last, oh, I don't know, 45, 46 years, has gained really no actual time in the comics. And I was, and I think that Gail Simone, given her track record with writing really good, strong female protagonists that don't necessarily preach the values of feminism, which is the kind of thing I would like to see more of in comics. I would like to see characters that don't necessarily oversell all the values that they claim to be championing championing like i don't want an overtly super uh, super heroine who just immediately disregards everybody for the sake of if they're not a feminist you know what i'm saying or tries to oversell and push down such values down people's throats the same thing with superman like i wouldn't want him to you know tell people that they need to pick up a gun or some sort of weapon and help him fight off dark side in the impending invasion if such one you know occurred in comics but that's neither here nor there here all I'm saying, guess what I'm trying to say, actually, is is that Gail Simone's a really good comic writer who does know what to do with female characters. And I must admit, when I saw this at Wiz- this series at Wizard World, I was intrigued, mostly because I hadn't heard of it. And you know, when I, I'll be perfectly honest, when I haven't heard of something, it's either because it's not mainstream enough, or I genuinely didn't know it existed. So, uh, yeah, chalk this one under. I didn't know it existed. 
So when we come back, I will dig into the first couple of issues of Rose and Thorn. Now, admittedly, because we do have six issues to go through, I will not be going through each one over with an overly complete issue summa summation. I will be trying to make this as quick and as painless as possible while still giving you guys as much detail as I possibly can. But until then, enjoy some music. Here's Young Buffalo with Man in Your Dreams. You're on 91.7 The Edge.
have amazing power at our fingertips. With great power comes great responsibility. So check out your alternative hotspot at tuneinradio.com. 91.7 The Edge. WSUW Whitewater.
What day is that? Pump day! You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. Do you crave a day full of all kinds of hip-hop music? Yeah! Then tune in to 91.7 The Edge, WSUW Whitewater on Wednesdays. Oh, yeah! We have tons of hip-hop music that'll keep you grooving all hump day long. Pump day! Superpowers, even though saving the world out of style, it ain't my fault. All this bad stuff is happening, but now it's time I put my foot on down. Oh, baby, my love don't 
love is all you need to heal the world Plus a trillion billion dollars, have you heard? Dead president, poor Santa Claus and Green Goblin Saddam Hussein, Spider-Man and Bin Laden Britney Spears, Jesus and a whole cast of friends Met for boss last week to solve the world's problem With a call on me They call on my name, don't you know I do it? Shine my signal over Gotham. I be true, it is my distinct pleasure to come down from my grass. Get off of my front porch and save all your ass. And in the nick of time, too. Changes come over me, my muscle growing So I freestyle my ass across the USA Solve the economy, the homeless problem Save what's left of the environment Create jobs for everybody be doing something that they want to be doing Yeah, but if you can't do smack, then you better do something Cause this is the time when you so can't do nothing What well, I means you All the slaves free from prostitution, sweatshop, child labor, South America, the problems in the Middle East. Make a sun power call, we have to fight for all fears. And I take all the troops back from wherever they roam and wherever they're fighting and whatever side they're on. And I send them on the first plane home to their moms. We can make coffee tables out of all these bombs and save the whales. And the pygmy mama sets too. Hard, but it really ain't nothing All you gotta do is get bit by a spider or something We could change the world in a week or a day And if you got problems, man, I sweep them away You find yourself in a world full of trouble Just call on G-Love, the superhero brother And I'll be there, yeah I'll be there, I'll be there All right, that was G Love and Special Sauce with Superhero Brother here on 917 The Edge. Speaking of superheroes or comics, if you will, <coughs> excuse me, let's talk about Rose and Thorn. All right, this was, as I mentioned, was a six issue miniseries in 2004 written by Gail Simone, 
I like the cover for the first issue in particular. The first issue's cover really leaps out at you exactly what you're getting with, especially with the subtitle or the subtag on the cover reading out of her mind, which is pretty much exactly, exactly what is going on here. I also could use the same thing to describe anybody's mentality about, excuse me, about whether or not they thought the DC Universe reboot would actually help the DC Universe rather than actually, you know, you, you know, do what it actually did, hurt it. I'm sorry, that was a joke. That was a terrible joke. My, moving on, we start at the Cymer Kel- or the Cymer Youth or Youth Care Facility, where we see a doctor named Doctor Kreitlow, who is apparently deciding to itting to actually try and well do what I mentioned earlier: try to make young troubled teenage girls girls productive members of society. Itty. Apparently, he had he initially had an or- original thought of Ashley, of a girl named Ashley Pensler with somebody w- who has a deceased father and a mother in a penitentiary for arson. However, however, apparently Dr. Kretlow says that well, it's a bit too old, and that apparently he wants he wants somebody who feels pain, but he wants somebody a little bit younger. And he apparently finds finds the person that the person that they're looking for in Rosalind in Rosalind Forest, who is holding a sharp sharpened two by four and fending off her fellow her fellow psychologically damaged teenage teenagers. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in both in this comic as opposed to the original. Instead of just being a multiple personality that just emerges emerges from Rosalind Forest, instead Gail Simone decided to tweak her origin so that the persona would manifest itself after after well a stay in a mental asylum and well treatment. Of course the overall setup remains the same. The only difference here is that Gail Simone ended up killing off both of Rose's parents instead of just her father who was a police officer so yeah also you gotta love the title as if we're not trying to already ready bring in the gardening puns with the opening title of the issue being the greenhouse effect yeah of course it is also apparently Rose is able to fend off orderlies in this hospital with just a sharpened plank of wood which is absolutely crazy is he, in my opinion, but, uh, yeah. So, Rose ends up coming in, and basically, and it's basically laid out that, well, she's been there for two months, and, well, well she just basically, sickly, basically snapped because, well, they were making fun of her, and she's basically, you know, traumatized because her parents were killed and well yeah she's basically just been left here here we later find out it was because of her great of her uncle who also apparently early was a cop but decided that it would be best to leave her here in an asylum leave her in an asylum as opposed to well you know something else and then we get the innermost thoughts about how she hate about how rose hates the place <clears throat> hates the place and apparently 
Currently, the aforementioned Ashley doesn't actually like her. However, she does have a bit of a friend named Kimmy, and that and she's basically keeping a running journal, a journal, journal about how she thinks and feels. She basically then points out about how she fears that when she gets out, she'll have a thousand cats and be the crazy cat lady. But she does have a love, a love for gardening, which actually is pretty interesting to say the least. And to be perfectly honest, it's one of the more intriguing parts of her character. The idea that the gardening part of her personality is believable yet it's not necessarily intrusional on the character, like, so obvious that you would honestly expect it. Basically, sickly Dr. Kretlow points out how Rose should be the sweetness side of her, and that she should lock away her sadistic side of Thorn behind a wall. And basically, sickly Rose will be the chance that she has for freedom. And then he basically asks her to hold the thorn of the rose, and basically, sickly some time passes as we see some progress being made with the with a green with a green spandex wearing thorn locked behind and mental walls. And then we pretty much get the idea that well, Rosalind is pretty much is pretty much still upset that her uncle that her uncle Leland, well, has a basically, sickly abandoned her in order to actually, you know, just, you know, get away from her as opposed to take care of her. Also, apparent introducing love interest Detective Mercado, or Detective John Mercado, who will essentially be Rosalind's love interest throughout the entire comic. Because of course she will. He will. He's a young detective and of course you know being close to the uncle matters something we then cut to three years later which is a bit of a leap but apparently rose has actually managed to contain thorn behind the walls in three years time which is actually actually amazing and you can tell from her narration her writing diary that rose feels in control of her life that Thorn, her sadistic and violent tendencies, have been locked away. Now, admittedly, the real tragic thing is the idea uh, that Uncle Curtis, Leland, Leland, has locked her basically inside this asylum, and the idea that maybe she's going to get out. Basically, sickly, the idea... The idea of Curtis was maybe that putting her in the institution was the fact that maybe be the mob, a.k.a. the 100, wouldn't exactly come after her. But even still, but even still, it doesn't necessarily mean that life's all peachy keen. Dr. Kreitlau Lau basically confirms that, yes, Rose is making progress, and that basically he's, he's going to be famous, and that his theory that one can simply lock away one's sadistic side and as a multiple personality means that, well, you know, successful treatment and that he can become a psychologist psychologist on the levels of Sigmund Freud, only actually credible. Basically, Ashley then reveals that, well, she's basically sickly not buying that crap that, well, you know, she's going to get to leave. And as a result, 
Alt ends up getting into a big, massive fight. And basically, sickly, it's kind of interest interesting, the fact that, well, oh, one of the more timid of the girls, Kimmy, decides to actually fight back. And then Ashley proves that she's just like her mother in that she's a freaking pyromaniac, ending up burning the asylum. In fact, it's only thanks to Thorne because Rose... Thanks to Thorne that Rose even wakes up and then Thorne manages to take over and manages to somehow, I don't know how, get her hands on some, get her hands on some weed needles and manages to punch the living crap out of Ashley, scarring and dismembering her, bring her, and basically, sickly the end of issue one, Un. And Rose real with Rose realizing that she's locked behind the wall where Thorn once was. Yes, it's official. She couldn't contain her psychopathic side anymore. Which, you know, I guess if you're talking fight or flight instincts makes sense, but it's still a bit of a leap. I also like the second cover. It again, the the great thing about the initial cover two covers of this miniseries is that it really showcases very well the internal struggle one actually can kind of undergo when it comes to to multiple personality disorders i'm not saying that you know it's a clinically accurate representation using pictures but i get a good i get a good actual description of it and basically Basically, Rose is locked up into a padded cell after what she did to Ashley, even though one should say that that probably should should have been her punishment, but yeah. The other, the other doctor, a Dr. Rowlett, makes, makes note about how this was his fault because, well, he's responsible for the girls at the hospital, spittle, even if even if it's Dr. Kratlau's treatment that basically, well, kind of, you know, led to a bit of the violence. Lins. They basically then said that, well, they don't exactly know where they're going. Meanwhile, Rose is in a dream state with, de- with Detective John, who basically, who basically is part of her fantasy while she tends to a garden. And basically, Rose has has snapped and basically sickly is losing control of thorn earn as we speak eek but yeah we then get to see get to see how rose is actually isolated isolated with nothing more than the teddy bears which by the way i should point out that her uncle gave every girl at the asylum teddy bears which is a a nice little gesture to say the least oh yeah and Oh yeah, and Dr. Kretlow, Kurtlow actually goes in to talk to Ashley, to the girl Ashley Lay, and actually decides to try to try his same treatment on Ashley that he did on on Rose, even though it's been proven fallible. Eh, why not, I guess. I suppose if you want to try it on a try it on a bigger psychopath then you know why not seriously seriously what's funny is is that well rose actually does end up believing being that it was thorn and that believing that it is thorn and that basically 
and that basically Dr. Dr. Kretlau has almost failed in what he's done, but he basically said, but he basically overall is still pleased. And eventually she ends up getting work release, work release and end up living, living in an apartment. It's actually a bit of a culture shock for her as seven months after the initial after the initial assault, she's actually living in an apartment, she's got her own ATM card, and she's living on her own. Of course, it is a culture shock since she hasn't lived on her own or lived on her own since 12, or since she was 12. Oh, but it's interesting to say the least. Say the least. We then get a very, very awkward scene where Rose is harassed by a land by a, a low by a low rent landlord because, well, you know, just because the, the asylum decided to the, decided to partially pay for her, well, you know, her living quarters doesn't necessarily mean they could afford her the Taj Mahal. So yeah, some uncomfortable fighting later, her and we see that Thorne does actually care care at the very least for Rose in the sense that she cares for her body for her body and she basically ends up taking knives to Rudy Rudy the landlord and basically says that well you know they have to they have to you know keep quiet what happened and also starts asking about the 100 the gang that murdered her parents because of course she does she did that's uh, a little bit on the nose, don't you think there, Rose? I mean, Thorne, actually, no, that makes sense. It would make sense that the crazed, azed, uncontrollable martial artist killer is the one that's actually, you know, well, well, you know, crazy. We then see Rudy basically calling and proving that there is, in fact, a mob called the 100, and then the detectives end up showing up at Rudy's at Rudy's doorstep, basically asking if asking if they've seen Rose, who is out ba- buying clothing, where she gets her, I'll be generous and say green leather outfit, but in all honesty, one wouldn't be surprised if one could call it a green la- a green leather leather outfit for you know, uh, no, never mind, it's not, it's just a very tight leather outfit. Let's go with that. And of course it's green because, well, you know what it is. Because of course it's rose. It would either be blood red or it would be green. Of course it is. I'm sorry. I'm little scatterbrained right now. Anyways, she then picks up a pair of martial arts weapons from a local gold weapons salesman who apparently is selling shurikens and nunchucks and... Forgive me, I don't know what those are called. I believe they're... But they look like sides, like mini punching size eyes. And, of course, she asks for them in green. So, yeah, it's official. Rose has taken over, and Thor, or, or Thorn has taken over, pardon me, and Rose has been left in the dust, psychologically, of course. One thing I should actually point out, too, is a little bit of an artistic design decision that I do like to show who's in control at the time in terms of personalities, even though science-wise, I don't think it makes any sense. See, when Rose is talking, her eyes are blue. However, when it's Thorn in control, her eyes are green. 
which both explains Ro Thorne's color to, uh, affinity to the color green a little bit more so, but it also helps distinguish which personality is talking, King. Although, admittedly, I do think that the kind of the differing attitudes give it away. So, uh, I think you're going for a little bit too much artistic, artistic licensing, licensing here to try and make distinctions that we all already kind of understand. The cover for issue three is the first I don't, one of the, of the six that I don't really necessarily hate, but I don't necessarily care about it either. It basically shows how Thorn has snapped and basically potentially killed someone, which, being an anti-hero, I can kind of understand and begrudgingly respect. What I don't like is the title, Garden of Evil, because we can't get enough of the garden puns past the title, can we? We then see Dr. Kretlow basically telling, basically telling Ashley about how everything is going to be fine, and that she basically will be able be able to help her. Oh, and she gives the pyromaniac the lighter, his lighter. Yeah, that totally won't backfire. The unstable teenage girl who's a pyromaniac has a mother who is a pyromaniac, and now you've given her a lighter. And this isn't like she smokes or anything either, so you could logistically say, well, okay. Also, the fact of the matter is, is sometimes when you give something, when you give somebody the object of their obsession, guess what? It doesn't take away their obsession. It just fuels it. I know this for a fact when it comes to me and video games and comic books. You give me more to read and I just end up wanting to read more or play more. Anyways, we then cut to see that, yes, somehow Rose has, Oz is in the dream world, or the hallway as they call it, that basically, sickly was where Thorn was being kept. The subtitle for this issue is called Corrupt Harvest, and one can definitely see why, as Thorn is in control for the majority of the issue, although it's... Although it's not quite clear to her Uncle Curtis and Detective John exactly that she is in control. Well, that is until they start looking she starts looking around and real she starts looking around through her groceries and starts realizing that, oh crap, she's gotta hide the scythes that she got to defend herself with. Oh, and Rudy tips off the tips off the 100 that cops that the cops have actually actually talked to him as as you do because well the 100 are afraid of the cops and basically yeah unintentionally actually now Rose is in danger of getting a hit put out on her on her because well Rudy's a snitch and it's the mob essentially however it turns out that Ashley is basically Meanwhile, we cut back to Ashley with Dr. Kretlow giving giving her a handkerchief. And actually, I'd like to rescind an earlier statement that I made. She didn't actually he didn't actually wasn't crazy enough to give her the lighter, but she did end up getting the lighter from him from behind his back. We then cut to a flashback of how Rose's parent Rose's mother, or, or I should say Rose's father, their there was 
what there was killed, including the how they were how they and Uncle Curtis were talking about the 100, 100 and well, just what the heck happened happens to people that mess around with the 100. And then we see them eating at a Chinese restaurant where we see Rose being, oh, where we see Thorn. I'm sorry for the confusion. Believe me, it's not e Believe me, it's not easy because her name is technically Rose, but, well, she's being controlled by the personality known as Thorn. But, yeah, Thorn flies off the handles, no, covertly, as well as becoming... Ming, well, relatively flirty with, flirty with the with Detective John to the point where she asks to take him home, and well, yeah, basically, basically hits on him. But unfortunately, fortunately, they don't. She doesn't have that kind of luck as he has to leave to go back to his well actual job, only to find two hitmen, hitmen from the One Hundred in Rose's in Rose's apartment. However, Rose actually manages, or I should say Thorne, actually manages to fend them off, taking the kitchen knives that she used to intimidate Rudy with earlier and stabbing a guy right through the arm. Did I mention that this comic can be a little graphic for something that's actually rated T14? Yeah, I forgot to mention that. So yeah, she manages to get a hold of her scythes, Meanwhile, Dr. Kretlow and the other doctor and the other doctor eventually are talking over just what the heck is going on. Oh, actually I stand corrected. He's a reporter who basically tells the other doctor that Dr. Kretlow is not who he says he is. Namely that he's lied to get access to the to the girls in these institutions, taking advantage of them not sexually or physically, but psychologically to suit his own needs so that he could gain fame. We then cut to Rose being locked away, finally emerging from her trance, only to see E. Thorne's handiwork of her get of the men being cut up and pretty much left for dead. She calls John, who basically states that everything is falling and, and states to her that she's that basically everything's falling apart. And then we cut to see the end of the issue, where we see that yes, Ashley actually managed to get managed to get a get the hands on Dr. Kretlow's lighter, as when he goes to light a cigarette, he doesn't have actually he doesn't actually have it anymore. So, yes, the pyromaniac now has a means of causing havoc slash escaping. So, yeah, that's the end of issue three. When we come back, I'll talk about the other three remaining issues of Rose and Thorn. Until then, you're listening to 91.7 The Edge, WSUW Whitewater. And here's Rose Windows with Strip Mall Babylon here on 91.7 The Edge. Selling snow to an Inuit song. 
on your weekly fix of hip-hop. Relax, we got it. On 90. One. Seven. The Edge.
fucking beat.
That was Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Stranger to My Happiness, here on 91.7 The Edge. We were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we were talking about the miniseries uh, by DC called Rose and Thorn. When we last left off, we saw that Rose had been, had lost control of Thorn to the degree that her psychotic killer side known as Thorn was able to force her in and out of a box, which basic or a hallway, if you will, which essentially she herself, Thorn, that is, was contained in and basically made to watch Rose's life all the while while it spiraled out of control, seemingly, of course. Earth. And now that she's actually killed two men, she's, well, in a lot of trouble, and, well, Thorn isn't exactly, you know, just going to stop at two murders either, as she wants to avenge her parents' death. Well, Rose's parents' death. Cover to issue four is the only one of the covers that I don't like, and I don't mean, like, in the instance. It's drawn decently well, but just the image doesn't fit Thor- even Thorne's character. Like, yeah, Thorne is a bit promiscuous when it comes to the detective John Mercado, the young guy in the story, but even then, for an alternate personality, Thorne isn't that kind of promiscuous. And I could explain it to you, but let's just say that while it's not sexually graphic, it's just kind of creepy nonetheless. Uh, it's, I'll just leave it at that. We then we open issue four with, well, Rose losing control to Thorne almost immediately, even after she had just been given control of her body back at the end of issue three. 
Ah, I suppose that works. Oh, yeah, and John shows up basically to say that, oh, yeah, well, that everything is going to be okay. And Rose basically... And Thorne basically plays dumb, attempting to get her... Attempting to get him on her side and, well, actually get with him, if you know what I mean. However, the detective decides to do a really smart thing, and that's tie the mentally unstable girl up to her bed. Yeah, I know, that doesn't sound very good when I come out when it comes out of one's mouth, but that's exactly how, what happens in the comic, and it's not for sexual purposes, so it's okay. Anyways... Apparently, Thorne feels that she's been betrayed by the detective because, well, apparently because she he rejected her advances means that she, he automatically wants to hurt her. Of course. Also, Captain Curtis, or uh, Uncle Curtis, her, Rose's Uncle Curtis, ends up getting called in the middle of the night to attempt to basically take care of Rose, to take care of Rose and her problems. And then we cut and we see E in the hospital that Ash that Ashley Pe- Pelzer or Penzer if you will who is actually who is the pyromaniac girl that got into a fight with Rose in, back in the ins- in the girls insane asylum as has gotten her hands on a lighter and has decided to wreak havoc ending up tr- ending up killing cops and interns in the process and basically just generally assaulting them before taking a nurse's uniform a nurse's uniform and walking directly out and also ending up shooting the defenseless nurse because well she's crazy and then stating her intentions are going to be to destroy Rose to destroy Rose completely and burn her house to the ground Oh, boy. Well, that isn't good. Also, it turns out that Curtis recognizes the two men, men that tried to assault Thorne, as hired muscle of the 100. Of the 100. And Curtis is a little bit, a little bit upset that, well, he tried, that he came to Rose in the middle of the night and ended up, well, tying her to the bed. You know, except for the fact that she was, you know, mentally unstable and, you know, not exactly capable of, you know, being able to be controlled. And it was more or less for her own safety. But, yeah, it didn't make the young detective John Mercado look good in front of of the uncle and, and fellow detective Curtis. Meanwhile, Rose is in dreamland. In Dreamland, which Thorne manages to infiltrate, basically saying, basically offering, offering Rose a Rose an ultimatum: the idea that well, Thorne can take care of the knights when it's truly dangerous, while Rose can handle what goes on in, during the day during her daily life, which is, which is actually a pretty decent compromise for a crazy person to take actually because let's be honest it's not exactly like they like she has any better options in order to get back control of her life and she then ends up getting and then she ends up but thorn also offers her own ultimatum 
an, an additional ultimatum that the detective is in fact hers. Yeah, we're officially have a multiple personality issue, which person with a personal multiple personality issue who is also trying to fight over a young hunky detective. Yeah, hijinks to ensue, I'm sure. But yeah, Rose tries to hold back, does and tries to hold back Thorn temporarily while flirting with the detective. Meanwhile, Curtis, meanwhile, Curtis ends up getting, or meanwhile, we then cut to see cut to see something else uh a really interesting a an exchange that well really just explains that well the reporter from earlier that interviewed one of the doctors was basically interested in writing an expose on dr kreitlow's practices and basically confirming what i told what i said in the last set of issues that that while dr kreitlow didn't 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 sexually abuse the girls girls that were under his care he at the very least released manipulately and mentally manipulated them it manipulated them rose attempts to try and explain the situations situation and also tries to get a hold of herself as she realizes what the 100 is doing however However, in mid-conversation, after getting a glass of water and asking for John's jacket, she ends up, Thorne ends up taking over, smashing a bit, a bit, a flower, a vase full of flowers over John's head. And it's actually, and also ends up, ends up stripping and leaving her clothing behind and slipping into her green, her green ensemble. So, yep, Thorne's on the loose again. And she then goes to attack Rudy with the hopes of getting her landlord her landlord with the attempt to get more information about the 100 out of him and basically ends up maiming him and maiming him although not deliberately killing him and unfortunately for poor John he's knocked out just long enough to see to see Curt er, to have Curtis come in and see and see the clothes Rose was wearing on top of his body, insinuating you, well, you know what. And Curtis is then revealed to have dumped the bodies of the two hitmen, of the two hitmen, basically insinuating that, yes, Thorne killed them, or at the very least, Curtis finished the job to end issue four. Dark, no. The next issue's cover for issue 5 is better than issue 4's, but it's not quite as good as issues 2 and 1 and 2's. The artwork is admittedly just a little off to me. It's just a, a bit of the shading and the coloring more than anything else. Issue 5 opens with with the initial do, with a doctor with Dr. Kretlow calling calling the other doctor Howlett and trying trying to explain to him how everything has gone wrong and awry, especially considering that now a reporter is on to the case and everything else. And somehow Ashley manages to actually get in, get into her get into his house, and not only that, but she has her lighter. Oh, and she also somehow filled a big gulp slurpee with gasoline as she's seen 
as she's seen throw, f- doing, a, doing the ye old flamethrower trick and basically attempting to burn him so that he can get Fort's l- Rose's location. We then cut to see a mobster, who might as well be named Vinny, but his name's Steve, Eve, where, Ro- where Thorne is basically trying trying to cut him up and torture him in an attempt to get information about the 100 because well of course he is we also then see a flashback to rose's past particularly after the funeral earl where we see uncle curtis having the gonads to actually ask ask his recently deceased brother's wife to marry him in order to protect them from the 100 and in case you can't see the obvious plot twist, the reason why the reason why Curtis hasn't been able to stop the 100 and also why he was so sheepish around them slash put put Rose in the asylum is because he in fact was on the take with them and his actions ended up let, getting both of her Rose's parents killed. Yes, literally early exactly what you think and yeah it pretty much means that that's exactly what you're going to expect meanwhile thorne marks stevie with some sort of three i guess that means for third victim but it's not really clear here and puts him in the back of a car and basically hauls him off and i'm i guess i'm wrong she doesn't end up killing him killing him we then cut back to see, in fact, we cut back to see that, well, it's cut back to see the other, to see the real mob boss of the 100, Mr. Harris, and his main man, Mr. Q, or Mr. Quince, who has a hook for an arm. How did he get the hook for an arm? Well, Rose's mother actually managed to, well, Rose's mother actually ended up defending him. Well, actually, actually ended up defending her from Uncle Curtis, and basically, basically from there, when Quince went to attack her mother, her mother too, she ended up taking the guy's arm off. Hence, that he had a. Hence, the the reason why Mr. Quince has a hook. Yeah, he has a hook, and he's a mafia, and he's a mafia guy. I'd say he more belongs to a pirate clan than a mafia, but go figure. We then see Rose harassing some sort of suppliers, which some drug dealing suppliers and beating the crap out of them, which does literally nothing else other than to, well, try and and get the police involved and try and get the police involved while also while also basically sickly diverting their attention among other things. Other things. And, yeah, so Thorne then ends up getting caught by the cops, and the cop ends up actually, and the cop ends up actually, actually begging and pleading Thorne for her life. And Rose manages just enough to break through just enough not to kill the cop, but ends up taking her side, his sidearm pistol with her. There. And in the process, Rose manages... After that, Rose manages to break free from Thorne's control and actually and actually questions what the heck Thorne makes or made her wear. 
I'll be perfectly honest, it's definitely not something that Rose, who has been seemed to be the more modest and prim and proper personality to be wearing. So, yeah, it is a little sad to say the li- it is a- or and a little weird to say the least. We then see basically we then basically see what I just mentioned earlier, that the that Detective Curtis Leland, her uncle, is on the take for the mob, and that while Dete- Detective Joe is, uh, is trying to protect Rose from her, or trying to, t- trying to protect Rose, well, she doesn't exactly have... Or he... D- <clears throat> they're about to find the location. And it turns out Dr. Kretlow has grown a conscience and given... And ends up giving giving Rose the control phrase so that she can finally get rid of Thorn and and remove the shackle and shackle her up inside a hallway. The phrase being cold snap. Well, I suppose that kills any flowers. Unfortunately, fortunately, Dr. Kretlau is Lau is unaware, is somewhat aware of Ashley's escape. And yeah, Ashley shows up at at Rose's door, basically, sickly trying to do her best, are you scared? Well, you better be, face, as she basically decides that she's going to kill Rose. Oh, without her, and without her martial arts expertise, psychopath, or psychotically strong second personality to help her, yeah, Rose is going to be in trouble. I like the last issue's cover a lot. It's very minimalistic, and it's very cool, and the colors really work. I'm not sure about the picture of the of Rose herself on the cover, but it at the very least is very well drawn, and it fits the general theme and motif a little bit better than the other covers. There's, and... And we open we open the final issue of the six issue miniseries with Thorn actually showing some concern about Rose, if for no other reason than well Rose is well, that Rose is her, and basically the hallway ends up turning into a ice storm blizzard to freeze her out. And meanwhile, Rose actually Rose actually is in is in her room, um, um being taunted at taunted by Ashley, who is getting ready to burn her alive. Oh, by the way, the issue for this, the title for this issue, Forest Fire, because her last name's Forest, get it? Uh I'm sorry, these puns are terrible. Herbal. Herbal. And yeah, pretty much Ashley just decides to taunt to taunt Forrest by saying, oh, how much of a psychopath she is and how she wants to burn her alive for getting what she wants and how and how she has her life, etc., etc. Basically, Dr. Kretlau then learns that, well, Ashley ended up burning not only hospital staff, but Dr. Kate, but Dr. Howlett as well in his home. And basically, yeah, you need to get the police there now. And why? And I'm sure you're wondering where did Detective Joe go? Well, he went back to the police station to secure more help. I think for Rose, it's not really clear. Really clear. However, Curtis then makes note about how makes note about how he should have about how Joe should clock out, and that he ended up, and that he ended up. 
Meanwhile, Uncle Curtis attempts to redeem himself by going back by going to the 100s headquarters and deciding and deciding that either either he kills them or he's forced to kill or he's forced to kill his own niece. And he decides that enough is enough in terms of terms of taking bribes from the mob and decides to go out like an honest cop. And then we cut to the scene that explains how Quince ended up losing his arm while killing killing Rose's mother in the process. Rose then ends up getting lit on fire by Ashley, Ashley, but manages to actually have enough foresight to get into a bathtub because apparently Ashley was stupid uh, was uh, cra- only crazy enough to light her on fire, not crazy enough to make sure she wouldn't move. But uh yeah, she then mentions how she's basically going to still burn her alive anyways. Anyways, and yeah, Curtis ends up getting caught in the trap in a trap by the mob guys of the 100, but ends up going out fighting and tr- and wounding Harris in the process. So, uh yeah, good on you. Also, Ashley ends up ends up trying to once again burn burn Rose. However, Rose attempts to actually <coughs> However, Rose attempts to try and or I should say Thorne attempts to try and actually get get out and try to help Rose. And pretty much pretty much they make a bargain to try and get to try and get out. But by both of them being in the dream realm, it turns out that she, Rose and Thorne are not the only personalities inside of Rose's mind. Yes, she has more than two personalities. In fact, she has one even more psychotic than even Thorne. Whereas Rose is whereas Thorne is goal-driven, driven, her other pers- one of her other personalities, Wild Rose, is a laughing moon- lunatic. To the point where, yeah, her eyes are orange and she looks like she's about to eat her. Yikes. Yikes. So yeah, it's revealed apparently that it's revealed apparently that Thorn or knew about the other multiple personalities, but knew also that well, you know, Rose wouldn't like it if she realized that she had more than a couple other personalities that he's riding in her head, and that they have to fight back to take control away from Wild Rose so that they can actually so that they can actually, you know, save Ashley or at the very least very least live a little live a little bit of a life. Life. So, yeah. Uh So, eventually Rose ends up Rose ends up winning control and manages to actually calm calm Ashley down enough and offers her a bit of friendship, which actually gets her to calm down and own after getting beat up by Wild Rose. John then manages to handcuff Ashley so that she won't do any more harm and has to explain and has to explain to John the entire deal of what the uh, the entire deal of what's going on. Basically at the end of it all, she says to John that if they ever do date after the romance that had been hinted throughout the comic, that they only go out during the day as Rose earlier in the issue ended up taking the deal that Thorne offered her of letting Thorne take control of Rose's body during the nights while Thorne actually ended up taking ends up taking control of Rose during well 
you know, the day as her own person, Erson, because, well, you know, anyways, anyways, and yeah, then we basically, basically get the wrap up about how Leland basically wrote a note saying that he was, that he was going to try and do right, even if it meant that he killed, got himself killed at the hands of the mob. But he did end up mortally wounding the mob leader, as well as taking out Dete Mr. Quince. So, in the end of the day, it was a bit of a win, even if the bribes and the lies ended up costing sting him him a lot of family and stuff. And the issue... And the issue and... And the miniseries, I should say, ends with... With Thorne taking control and entering Mr. Harris, the the, the lead ma mafia, via member's room by taking, by taking her size and basically killing Mr. Harris. At least it's how, at least that's what it seems to be, with a cheesy joke of like any good director that she'll always know when to yell cut. Also, she ends up forgiving Doctor Doctor Critlow for. For what he did to her, even if at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily, you know, good for her overall. Like, you know, just as much harm came out of it as good. In the end, Rose and Thorn is a very good miniseries. It helps that it's written by a very talented, very capable writer in Gail Simone, who always seems to write female characters characters the best but in general is a very undersung comic book writer in the grand scheme of things things in terms of this mini series i wouldn't i'm not gonna lie and say that it's flawless it's got some issues the idea of the personality shifts taking taking place the way they they do especially with the fact that the eye color is changing seems more or less like just a nod to the readers to say hey here's an extra pointer in case you didn't get it that she's not the one that's you know stable and in control of her life she's the one who wants to go out and kill and revenge and her parents death which to be perfectly honest would be fine if the personalities weren't already laid out the way they are the eye color change just feels like a artistic stick fluff for the sake of artistic fluff. And the idea that, you know, the, the readers won't notice seems a little short-sighted. It went, you know, they're two distinct personalities, hence the reason why it's multiple personality disorder. I will say that it also does feel like a bit of contrivance, as well as a bit of common sense could have been used. Like the idea that, for example, such a person should not have a lighter, or that you shouldn't even have a lighter in, in the presence of a pyromaniac, a documented psycho psychotic. But at the same time, I'm not a psychologist, nor a doctor, or anything like that. So, uh... Yeah, at the end of the day, some of the plot holes are there, but they're forgivable, to say the least. At the least. I do recommend this series. If you're looking for an interesting six-issue mini of a lesser-known character in the DC Universe, or if you just want, especially if you just want to read a nice, simplistic story with a decent conclusion, conclusion and end. End. 
And in, and in reality, I wouldn't be disappointed if they ended up bringing Rose or Thorn back. I mean, it's not exactly like this character necessarily has to be written in the most grandiose of storylines, but it could still they could still be bringing back the character into comics, is what I'm trying to say. All right, I only have a couple of minutes left, so I think the biggest piece of news to talk about is uh, Willem Dafoe. He is confirmed for the Justice League movie. Unfortunately, I have no idea what his role is, and uh, neither do uh, Hollywood insiders even. Uh, just that he will not be playing a villain. For those of you who do not remember Willem Dafoe, he was uh, the Green Goblin in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Uh, and he did a great job. Uh, uh, Willem Dafoe is a good actor. I think he'll do fine in the Justice League movie. Depends on what kind of role they give him. Uh, I'm assuming he might not be a superhero, uh, like a superhero with powers, if you will. Like he might just be like a, an agent for the Justice League. Actually, I had a, I just had an idea. I bet you I know what character he's going to be. Although, admittedly, I'm probably wrong, so I won't even bother m- mentioning it. I'll just say I told you so. If it happens, if it turns out I'm right, so I'll leave it at that. Anyways. Let's go over some comic book previews. Since we didn't get to go over any last week, let's just make sure that we get to go over some this week uh, for comics that are coming out this week. All right, we got Wonder Woman, number 51. Teen Titans Go, number 15. Superman, Lois and Clark, number 7. Red Thorn, not related to Rosenthorn. I, although admittedly the character has the same uh, color of hair and uh, the comic is published uh, by Vertigo, which is one of DC's imprints. So um, I'm not sure whether this is a comic uh, that ties into the Red Rosenthorn mythology, although I do know it's not the same character. So yeah, I know it's kind of ironic and confusing. Um, that is... Uh, that is going through issue, or that is issue number six in that uh, series. Um, Robin, son of Batman, number eleven. Poison Ivy, Circle of Life and Death, number four. I actually uh, have I missed issue three, and I need to get issue four as well. So that's on my must get list. And uh, the cover also features Catwoman, so that should be interesting. Um, excuse me. Uh, the Martian Manhunter, number eleven. Uh, Lucifer, number five from Vertigo Comics. It looks uh, like that's meant to tie in with the TV show. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, number two from DC Comics. Injustice, Gods Among Us, year five, number eight. It feels like they're drawing out Injustice. I like Injustice. I have read up to year two. I'm actually behind on that, but I like the game. Uh, Harley's Little Black Book, uh, number three uh, from DC Comics. Another series I have been meaning to read but have not uh, picked up yet. Uh, The Flash, number 50. Doctor Fate, number 11. Clean Clean Room, number 7 by Vertigo. Aquaman, number 51. Astro City, number uh, 34 by uh, Vertigo. Action Comics, number 51. Uh, Criminal, 10th Anniversary Special, number uh, number one. Uh, I'm not even going to... I'm, I'm sorry, I was just reading one of the titles, and I'm like, no, I don't think I could say that on air. Sorry. Eh. Um, eh, Mirror, number three, from Image Comics. Uh, Snowfall, number three, from Image Comics. Uh, Chew, Demon Chicken Poyo. Uh, number one, okay, that's interesting, from Image Comics. Uh, From Under the Mountains, number six, from Image Comics. Uh, Let's see, 
Lazarus Sourcebook number one uh, image comics. Uh, Star Trek Manifest Destiny number one uh, by excuse me by IDW. Uh, Star Trek Starfleet Academy number five by IDW. Uh, who Star Trek 50th year anniversary by the way of that show this year. So congratulations to that. Um, Godzilla Oblivion number two. Uh, Donald Duck, number 12, by IDW. Back to the Future, number 7, by IDW. Uh, Transformers versus G.I. Joe, number 12, IDW. Uh, let's see. Transformers, number 52, by IDW. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try and see if I can find some of the Marvel comics here before. Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, this is interesting. Um, Santeria. Uh, the Goddess Kiss, number two. That's an interesting title from Aspen Comics. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find the Marvel comics here. The list I'm looking at has DC, Independent, and then Marvel, I think. Uh, let's see. Well, we got uh, Shaft, number three, Red and Red Sonya, number four, from Dynamite Entertainment, as well as uh, uh, Dark Horse with uh, Tomb Raider, uh, volume two, number three. <clears throat> excuse me uh let's see i don't know maybe marvel doesn't have uh any releases this week it's looking like maybe not uh oh here it is uh new avengers number 10 uh marvel universe guardians of the galaxy number seven power man and iron fist uh number three i'm liking the old school cover by the way too for that uh particular issue um from marvel um Deadpool, number 10. Uh, Haunted Mansion, number 2. Guardians of Infinity, number 5. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, number 3. Uh, Howard the Duck, number 6, which also looks like it uh, is uh, has Squirrel Girl in it. Nova, number 6. Uh, Silk, number 7 by Marvel. Spider-Man Cross Deadpool, number 4. Uh, Hyperion, number uh, 2 from... Uh, Marvel. Uh, let's see. Uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, number four. Um, let's see. What should I close out with here in terms of uh, comics coming out this week? What's a good one to end on? Uh, oh, Big Trouble in Little China, number 23, uh, by Boom Studios coming out this week. So those are just some of the comics that are coming out this week. And I would like to thank each and every one of you for listening to Comics Corner. You've all been a great audience, and I hope the weather continues to look bright. And I'll see you guys next week. Until then, enjoy some music. The Left Ready with Long Way to Fall here on 91.7 The Edge. This morning with a split in my head I wish I could take back the things that I said uh, I tell you I'm sorry, but it don't change How you make me crazy and push me away oh. 
Can you please? 